Welcome back to another episode of Confessions of a Crappy Christian. I am your host and resident crappy Christian, Blake, and every week I get to have the coolest conversations with incredible people about all the things most Christians are still not sure we're allowed to talk about. So if you've been looking for a place to land with all your crap and for someone to just be honest about what it looks like to walk through this Christian life, well, you've come to the right place. Pull up a seat, pop in your headphones and tune out your kids and come hang out with me and a guest for the authentic conversations that you have been looking for. Carrie, hey, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. So as we we do with every episode, we kick it off by just allowing the listener to get to know you a little bit. So I'd love if you would tell us about yourself and your family and just kind of tell us a little bit about you. Okay. Well, I'm a mom of four girls. We live in Birmingham, Alabama, as you can probably tell from my accent here in the <laughs> South. <laughs> um, sweet husband. Everybody feels a little sorry for him raising four daughters. And we also have a female dog who is the craziest one in the bunch. Her name is Lola, mini golden doodle. Um, and then I also write for moms and teen girls. I have written two books for teen girls and then a new book for moms of teen girls that comes out in August. So um, really, I guess you could say my personal life and my professional life have a lot of overlap. Very so, much so. Yeah. yeah four daughters. So and yes. a female dog. <laughs> Your husband. So my husband is outnumbered as well. Listeners know I have two very young. They're three and five. So I have two young daughters. And mm-hmm. um, we don't have any. Well, I lied. We have chickens. So he's outnumbered by like a lot because we have all hens. So Do you really? That's he's, awesome. <laughs> he's super outnumbered. Um, but so your newest book, which is out by the time this is airing, is about connection with your daughter, specifically your teenage daughter. So right. can you tell us a little bit about Love Her Well and just kind of the heart behind it? Yes, it is. Um, the title is Love Her Well, 10 Ways to Find Joy in Connection with Your Teenage Daughter. And technically it's for your teenage daughter, but there's also, it's also a book that you can buy if you have a preteen daughter or even for a mom like you. I know a lot of moms with little girls, they're like, I just want to mentally kind of prepare for what's ahead. And so um, it really is, you know, and a lot of it's when you're connecting with your child, it's relevant at every age. But, you know, the heart of this book is to really, to really, I guess, counter that mindset that is out there. I mean, you have girls. It's kind of funny that you have this beautiful newborn baby daughter. This happened to me four times, you know, and you're, you're cradling your daughter and people are just doting on her. And then some mom that's a little bit older than you and sharing her wisdom. She smiles and then she says, you know, she's beautiful, but just wait until she's a teenager. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for me, I just remember at first I hear those comments over and over and and I'm like, man, these ladies are Debbie, Debbie Downers, you know, like that's not going to be my kids. We're not going to fall into that trap. And so, you know, it's it's pretty easy to about 10 or 12. And then, you know, when kids become teenagers, lots of changes, they're going to middle school. A lot of things are going on. Um, Their bodies are changing. And so what happened with me is when my daughter started changing and we started going through the season of locking horns and, you know, she wasn't as easy as she had been before. I, um, those comments just came back and I was thinking, wow, I got I need to dig in my heels. I better show mm-hmm. her who's the boss. And, um, you know, and that backfired on me. And I, I try, I was very adamant that all of our problems were because of her attitude and her sass and that I was totally right to be doing this. 
and what happened was over the course of a few months, we just really had this division grow between us that had never been there before. And I kept blaming it on her. And then one day we had this fight before school and I just, she went to school and it was just like the truth just sank in. And you know, you know, when you're kind of not on the right track and you won't admit it. And then you have Mm -hmm. that day where it's just, it all, the the epiphany comes and you just fall through your knees. And um, my husband happened to be home that day and I was just crying in my closet. And it's funny because this is one of those stories that I would have planned to never share with anybody. Right. Of course. I'm like, I'm the, and I was writing books for teen girls at the time. I just released my book for teenagers. Yeah. So, you know, I kind of thought, well, oh, I'm supposed to be this expert and what do I know? Um, but anyway, I told my husband, I was like, I'm just, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to balance kind of her parents and correcting those attitudes and behaviors that I don't like, but also loving her because I'm like, if ever there's a time I want us to be close, it's right now when she's starting middle school and all this peer pressure and temptations. And, you know, we all know that what happens if they don't have those strong connections at home, they'll go look for them elsewhere. But you also have to be the parent. So I say that, you know, that day, that was over five years ago, that was kind of like the day that started my search on how to love a teenage daughter. And so um, God is so good. You know, that same day, a few hours later, I went to the gym. I saw a friend of mine who's always just been good at giving advice. And I asked her, you know, what do you do when you fight with your daughter? And does that ever happen? She's like, oh, yes, all the time. And she goes, you got to circle back around. She's like, you know, don't let the sun go down on your anger. She's like, just give yourself time to cool off and calm down. And you always circle back around, go apologize, you know, just make things right. And so what happened was I did that later that day with my daughter. I asked her, you know, told her, you know, I didn't I, I didn't like all the division between us and I was, I was kind of sad about it. And she said that she had been sad about it too. And then I asked her, you know, is there anything I've been doing that's caused that? And I honestly expected her to say no, because I thought I was pretty innocent in this. And she was actually like, well, yes, you know, you've been a little bit more critical of me lately, just in recent months. And as soon as she said it, it it hit home. I was like, I have been more critical of her. You know, I was expecting more of her as a middle schooler. And I'd also been more critical of myself during that time. And I really was projecting that on her. So that was a little bit, that was a little bit of a punch in the gut. Yeah. But again, it made me look at myself and I really had to do some soul searching and I apologized. And kids are so forgiving. That's the thing is that they, and I've realized, especially teenagers, you know, they're, they don't expect us to be perfect. They know we're not perfect. So we can't pretend that we are. And they'll think no, we're hypocrites if we try to. So I think just owning up to that and owning up to my humanity and telling her, you know what, I'm not perfect. Jesus is our role model. We're all on this journey together, but um, I'm going to apologize for my part. And that really started us on that road to reconciliation. And it really just was a huge lesson to me that I don't have to be this perfect mom and this perfect role model, which I think when you have little girls, you kind of feel like that as the mom because they Mm -hmm. they don't see those flaws as much when they're little and then they get older it's a little it's a lot more obvious yes I want to circle back to so that you said at the beginning about that whole just wait until they're teenagers mentality I know that it has to be well-meaning I know that people very rarely say anything like out of spite you know and and there are absolutely things that you have to prepare yourself for having teenage daughters. Let's start. We're talking about daughters specifically, but for me, I, I, I don't want to go into parenting in general, but parenting in those teen years already defeated, already right. resigned to this is going to suck. 
right? right? Which right. kind of that that ad- advice and that statement kind of is what it sets you up for essentially is right. to be like, well, uh, here we go. Let's tread our way through the the teenagers. But the reality is, is I feel like if you want to have a thriving relationship with your with your daughter when they are out of that, when they're in their 20s, then you have to do that part well. You can't just right. kind of toss the teenage years as a, well, well this is going to be terrible. You know, mm-hmm. that, so I'm really thankful that there's someone leading the charge and educating us on how to do that. You know, how mm-hmm. to have connection and a relationship because, yeah, as a mom of a three and a five-year-old who are both got their mama's spunk and spirit and, you know, all of that, that I can definitely see there being some challenges and some locking of horns down the road. But the thing is, is just like we talk about fighting well in your marriage, you can fight well. You have to be able to fight well. And I think apologizing uh, is such a huge part of that. Yes. Huge. And something that has stuck with me that I read about a year ago is, um, They said John Gottman, he's America's top couples therapist. Mm -hmm. And he said the number one predictor of success in a marriage is how well a couple can resolve and work through conflict. Yeah. And that just really stuck with me. And I'm like, you know, if we teach our daughters how to do this in the mother-daughter relationship, because no relationship that lasts a long time is going to be perfect. You're always going to have conflict. And I think that we live in an age, I see it with my work with teen girls, that they end friendships over every minor offense. They just disposable friendships. And that's why they're also insecure is there's not a lot of loyalty and working through issues. And I think, you know, those girls that really learn how to resolve conflict are going to have such a leg up in their marriage, in their career, in their friendships. And then I also think, you know, what better relationship to learn that in than your relationship with your mother? I mean, who will love you more unconditionally? (laughs) You know, we're not going to stop loving them. That's such a good point that, you know, so I did an interview it's it's already aired and it was about marriage. I think it was the peppers and it was marriage is funny. And we talked a lot about fighting fair mm-hmm. and not, not fighting because that can be a lot of the Christian advice is like right. not fighting, but instead like how to fight fair and how to not like go for low blows and how to apologize and not let the sun go down on your anger. And that really does translate. I mean, honestly, into all of your relationships, but if we're talking about your, your most precious relationships, like, yeah, you live under a roof with someone 24-7, you're gonna fight, especially right. with that many hormones running through a house. Like, right. it is inevitable that my daughters and I are going to fight. And that can be, like, that can feel kind of like, uh, like not a great, I don't know, thing to look forward to. But if I am educating myself and preparing myself to be able to do that well, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a game changer. Yes, I think so too. And, and something that I feel that our generation is lacking, I think that we are such a child-centered society mm-hmm. and we're also busy. And I think sometimes we sacrifice our marriage and our own friendships and our personal well-being and self-care because we're pouring so much into our children. And when we do that to an extreme, we are at their mercy. Like they can make or break our day. And I found myself that like, I'm like, I feel like a martyr. Like I've done all of this and you're not appreciating me. And so it's really taught me that for me to be strong and to be able to handle the hormones and the emotions and when they're venting, 
And sometimes they do take their anger out on us and we, we've got to teach them how to do that respectfully to be able to vent and we're not a punching bag. Yeah. But you know, we are their safe place. And so that's sometimes it's kind of like what I did to my husband. I mean, I can vent yeah. to him because I know he loves me, but sometimes I'm like, Oh, poor thing. I just, I, right. just, I did it to him again. And I feel like our daughters do that to us. But, um, for us to be able to take that and not be take it personally and be so offended all the time. I think we really have to have strong female friendships and a strong marriage and a, somebody that really builds us up when maybe your yeah. teenager is not building you up. You right. Know, one, because one night these, I had a, a night. Yeah. I've had like two or three that were mad at me over different things. And oh I was just feeling so bad about myself, but we have this Bible study in my neighborhood and it's moms of all ages. And I wasn't planning to go. And I was like, you know what? I just need to get out of the house. And I'm going to go to that. And it was exactly what I needed. I was around yeah. women my age, women who understood. It was just a warm environment. And it made everything better, just having that support system. Even though I didn't talk about it there, it right. just felt so good to have my adult relationships separate, something to lean on when I wasn't feeling great as a mom. Well, and these the moms, which I have absolutely been guilty of, that are building their entire world around their children. And that doesn't mean that your kids aren't important, like obviously, because there is the flip side of that. There there are the parents that are choosing everything over their kids, but we are such a a child-centric society, which is difficult to mom in. That's a, Mm -hmm. it's a difficult environment to mom in. Literally last weekend, I was having a conversation with my best friend about this, about how even take away coronavirus, take away stay at home orders. We are just such a burnt out mom generation. Yeah. And, and we were talking about it and I was telling her it's because we are one of the first generations of mothers, maybe the generation before us, but they, them less so that can't just like unleash their kids into the neighborhood and be like, go ride bikes until the street lamps come on. Right. We can't right. do that. We don't mm-hmm. do that. It's not safe enough. So we are, we are responsible for entertaining our children, for educating our children, for like keeping them happy. And so, yeah, naturally that lends itself to this really child-centered lifestyle, but it's exactly what you're saying. If that continues and then they get into their teen years and say they do hate you, like say Mm -hmm. they do think you're the worst, even if you have done everything you can to like foster and cultivate that relationship, God forbid, well then your whole world's going to come crashing down because they're what you have built your world on. Okay, so you know how I'm a huge fan of counseling, right? Well, I recently started working with a counselor at Faithful Counseling, and I knew I had to tell you about it. Faithful Counseling is an online Christian counseling network, and it's an incredible solution for people looking to find the help they need. I found the sign-up process to be really straightforward. You answer some questions, and you get matched with a counselor all within 24 hours. After that, you can log into your account at any time and message your counselor, plus scheduling weekly video or phone sessions. The extra bonus is that I found it to be really affordable, and they've extended a discount of 10% off of your first month. All you have to do is head to getfaithful.com slash crappy Christian to join the other 500,000 people, myself included, who are taking charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Head to getfaithful.com slash Christian for 10% off your first month and to get started. Okay, you guys know I'm always recommending books to you. It's kind of my job. And as much as I love sitting down and actually reading a book, that hardly ever happens. 
Instead, I listen to them on Audible when I'm in the car, when I'm doing dishes, sometimes even when I'm working out. Right now, I'm listening to A Mind of Your Own by Kelly Brogan. Definitely put that one on your list. But the way Audible works is you pay $15 a month, you get one credit that you can use on a book, and if you don't use that credit, it rolls over to the next month for up to a year. So since you're a listener of Confessions of a Crappy Christian, you can get a free 30-day trial of Audible. All you have to do is go to audibletrial.com slash crappychristian. You can pick your first audiobook for free today. And if you aren't sure what book to start with, I always suggest When to Walk Away by Gary Thomas. So just go to audibletrial.com slash crappychristian to start your free 30-day trial. Okay, let's get back to the show. Right. Exactly. And I think that it's sometimes we don't realize that when they're little, that that's what we're actually building and working exactly. for. And it does. And, and my husband and I have even, you know, with, with four, you know, we just for years, it was just survival. And, you know, mm-hmm. we tag teaming. And I remember one night he was coming home from work and I'm passing him on the road. I'm going to one of my girls games and we're just waving and I'm like, yeah. divide and conquer years. You know? Yes. <laughs> Where we are. But, you know, that I've found that sometimes when our, when we are doing too much of that, that we'll kind of like, pick at each other more and it affects our marriage and it's so hard to be like okay you know he's he has Fridays off and so after a few years of him having Fridays off we're like okay we've got to spend time on Fridays together let's just go on a walk or go to lunch have that time together to build our relationship because we were pouring so much into our children that you know I was like they're growing up we got to have our own life again we did we did at one point yes. and it's just, you forget about it you just don't yes. think you, you know you think you can get back to it but you really you need that during the process of raising kids. And that's absolutely one thing. You know, I feel like I've really learned in recent years is just, I've got to have my own life separate from my kids. And that that equips you to love your kids. Well, if yeah. you're, you know, I know that there are single or separated moms listening. And so it may not look like leaning in and cultivating the relationship with your spouse, but it may look like friendships or your parents, you know, there's always, there's room and opportunity for relationships. Um, but I mean, I can remember. So my parents are older. They were older when they had, I'm the oldest and they were older when they had me. And so I was kind of like young for the friend, for the friend group's kids. Cause they had all started having kids, but I can remember when their friends started getting divorces. Really? And I mean, not rampantly, but, mm-hmm. and I can remember either like overhearing or even having conversations with my parents about that and them essentially saying what you just said, that they kind of became ships passing in the night because they were so busy with their careers and with running their kids back and forth that they, they totally abandoned their marriage. And then you're empty nesters and you look at one another and you're like, who are you? Like, who are you? I don't know you anymore. And right. that's. Like it, it was almost like a fear of God. Like it kind of put the fear of God into me with my marriage of right. like, I can feel when we start getting super, super busy and my kids are young. So like mm-hmm. my oldest is going to gymnastics once a week and that's the like extent of our <laughs> extracurriculars right now, but we both work and all that kind of stuff. I can feel when we start doing that and I'm like, you are more important to me. Mm-hmm than a schedule or getting things done, you know, and I think that that is something that has been kind of put on the wayside by our generation is prioritizing things over your kids, essentially. Right. 
And I think you made several great points there. The one, how you said how you can just feel it when you're when you're growing apart. And I do think there's something for that feminine intuition. I mean, sometimes mm-hmm. I tell my husband, like, I can't put into words, but I just feel it. And I think sometimes we do have those feelings or see those signs a little earlier than they do. And that's when we do have to say, okay, let's, yeah, you know, let's make some time for each other. Let's carve out this time. We've got to prioritize each other. And then you also mentioned, you know, a lot of the moms listening are single moms. And I've got a lot of single mom friends. I'm in my late forties. And by the time you reach this age, I'm like, stuff blows up in the forties, you know, Yeah. Well, spouses die, divorces, you know, cancer. There's just, it's a hard decade. And um, I mean, single moms are my hero. I just, absolutely. Just they're amazing. And I, I think you, you are so wise to say that, you know, it, just to have somebody, you don't, you might not have that spouse to be your, your, your support system, but you know, whether it's your therapist or your hairdresser, or your cousin yeah. or your mom or whoever really rely on those people. And, um, and I do think that single moms, I mean, it's, it's, they have it even harder Absolutely. because sometimes your child is mad at you and you don't have that spouse, you know, when you're in bed at night crying to, to help you out. Yeah. But, um, you know, my roommate in college, her mom was a single mom and she just listening to the way that she talked about her mom in college mm-hmm. and after college. And, you know, she would say as she got to be like 30 and 40, just how much she has just grown more and more respect for her mom, the older she gets, because now she's like, I look back and I realize how hard it was. And, and now she'll tell me how many nights she was just curled up in bed, crying, worrying about how she paid the bills, but she yeah. wouldn't let us see that. And it's just like, it is really deep in their friendship and their relationship because she has so much respect for her mom. And I wanted to share that with every single mom I know that, you know, you just do what God's telling you to do. And Amen. you might not be able to show up for everything. You might not be able to do everything that everybody else is doing, but just love them in the way that God has created you to. And, you know, you can still have an amazing relationship. And she and her mom actually in college, I, mean, I remember she'd have a problem and she'd be on the phone with her mom for like an hour telling her mom everything. And I'm like, yeah. you're telling your mom that? Yeah. But she said, she goes, that is the one upside to the divorce is that my mom and my sister and I got so close because we yes. were a team. And I was always like envious of that relationship that she was that close to her mom. And so yeah. I think that's such a testament that even if you have a family situation, that's not ideal, you can still have a great relationship with your child. Amen. I think that is so important. And I think that leads us really perfectly because I wanted to talk about some of the ways that, you know, it's 10 ways to find joining connection with your teenage daughter and that those that there, you can do those things. If you are in a single mom situation, if you are, you know, if you are, you know, in a married home that you can continue to cultivate and, and, and nurture those relationships really, no matter what your circumstances look like. And so can you, you know, obviously we want people to buy the book, but can you tell us if you have maybe your favorite of those 10 ways to connect? Mm-hmm. Um, I have a chapter on just enjoying your daughter. And that one is, it's a note to self because I think, especially as they reach the teenage years, especially when they hit 16, you're like countdown in your head. Like, Oh my word, I've got two years left to teach yeah. them everything. Yeah. So tempting to make everything a life lesson and to really, you know, and I probably do too much of that. And so I've really had to kind of pull myself back and just be like, don't make everything a life lesson, just enjoy them. And if I spend a lot of time enjoying them, they might be more likely to listen. You know, if I'm, if I'm more selective when I'm trying to do the lesson. Yeah. And so, um, you know, and I think a lot of it's just knowing their love language and knowing, you know, what makes them happy. Uh, I find that food t- tends to make them really happy and it might yes. be a slushy from Sonic 
or, you know, a Greek salad that they love. Um, but I know that, you know, my daughter last year had a really hard schedule and, you know, a couple of days she'd, she had texted me just how terrible school was and, you know, had not had time to eat lunch. And so I had a salad waiting for this Greek salad that she loved when she got home. And, um, and that just made her day, you know, yeah. and um, another time I picked her and a friend up from cheer practice and they were starving and craving quesadillas. And I don't always do this, but I just went by the Mexican restaurant, got them queso and quesadillas. Yeah. And as they scarfed it down, you would have thought I took them to Paris. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, I feel like it was the best fifteen dollars I've ever spent in my life. That was easy. <laughs> yes, yeah, so easy, and so it doesn't have to be fancy. And um, and sometimes you know, you know, another daughter we had gone to Asheville and spent the weekend there before I took her to summer camp. I, I try to do that having multiple daughters. Is if we're doing something anyway, whether it's a doctor's appointment, just stop and get Starbucks afterwards. But um, I was like, let's spend you know two days in Asheville before I yeah. drop you off at camp. And um, you know, I planned this fancy dinner, and we went horseback riding, and all of this stuff. Had a great weekend. A few weeks later, we were talking about the weekend. I asked her what was her favorite part of the trip. And she said, you know, that day we went walking and we just sat under the tree and talked. It was so sweet. But I'm like, that oh was just gosh. a spontaneous moment. Of course. Nothing. And she liked that better than a fancy dinner that night. Yep. So it was a lesson to me that we don't have to plan these elaborate gestures. Yeah. It is just what's happening in the moment. Something that that speaks to them. Well, and it's, I think it all tracks back to that first thing you said of enjoying your daughter. If you're enjoying your daughter and you're getting to know her and the things that she loves and that she struggles with, then it's easier to know that a slushie would make her day or, right. you know, and, and that allows you to learn their love languages. I love the whole love languages thing because it kind of saved my marriage. I talk about that a ton on the podcast that we were both loving one another the way that we wanted to be loved versus flip-flopping that. Um, And that was a huge like learning and just totally changed the game for us. But I'm, I already find myself like looking at my girls and seeing what's, what lights them up and what's important and what they thrive in. And I know that they're five and three and that will probably change as they get older. But I think just that one's like that it's, that feels like a tiny little pivot mm-hmm. to just pay it. If you have to educate yourself on what the love languages are mm-hmm. and then start, you don't even need them to like take the test. I mean, you can, if you want to, but just start paying attention to what, what lights them up and what, you know, what they're super appreciative of. And then that's just a really tangible way to love them and remind them that, you know, you're thinking about them and that they're important to you you know, my oldest, she's five and homegirl loves her a Starbucks cake pop. Like (laughs) you were saying, like you would think I would take her to like a four course meal. She just loves it. And, and, but then my other one wants nothing to do with them. Like she thinks she's like, don't buy me that. Like, I don't want that. And so (laughs) exactly. I'm not wasting the ridiculous amount of money that a cake pop costs. So, but some, so, you know, sometimes at the end of a like a week of them being at camp, I'll go pick one up before I pick her up. And it's just the best thing that's ever happened to her. And it didn't really cost me all that much. And it took five minutes, you know? And so I think that I love that very like practical, tangible advice of like, enjoy your kids, which allows you to know your kids, which allows you to like love your kids well. Yes. And I think it's that same feeling of, have you ever had a birthday gift? Somebody's given you a gift or a Christmas gift. 
that you just open it up and you're like, I did not even think to ask for this, but this is so me. Yes. And you just feel so seen and known. And I think it's that same feeling when somebody does something little for you, whether they're putting Skittles on your pillow or, yeah. or something that they just know that you will appreciate. It's just a good feeling that of all these people in this world that somebody sees and cares about me. Mm-hmm. And, and I really think that's one of our superpowers as a mom is that we have we have an intuition that men don't always have. Yeah. And it's just it's those little things that I think can really help build a relationship. No, um, I completely agree. Yeah. Well, and what I love is that the title of the book, you know, from the jump is ways to find joy and connect with your teenage daughter, not fix, not correct, not make her behave or listen better, but to find joy and connect. And I, as I was reading through, you know, little bits of the book before the interview, I realized that I feel like that nuance is completely lost on this generation, that everything Mm -hmm. that I see and read, and I feel like I'm saying this generation a lot. I'm sure other parenting generations got this wrong too, but just that everything feels geared towards how to make your kids fall in line, do better mm-hmm. at school, be quiet. And that, first of all, those things probably really shouldn't be the goal, but I mean, you do want your children to do well in school and to listen to you when you ask them to do things. But what it's like, I literally had this thought of, and I wrote it down in my notes was what if we're going about this all the wrong way? Mm -hmm. Like what if by focusing on fixing the behavior, Mm -hmm. we're missing a really great opportunity to just love them. Well, Mm -hmm. not play safe and not like let them be brats. Because you talked about that before, like you are still their parent. You are still, teaching them mm-hmm. but that maybe infusing more love in that and and see like you just said like seeing your kids I just feel like that would change kind of everything yes yes and you know there's all these quotes there's there's one about um teenagers don't care what you know until they know that you care mm-hmm. and and it's interesting if you ever I'm around teenagers all the time you ever hear them talking about what teachers they love at school what people it's always the teachers that love the kids I mean they're not stupid you know like right and those are the people they listen to and um I read the love languages for teenagers and that that book is really life-changing and I've quoted it several times in this book but um, one of my favorite quotes that he said was show them love and they'll listen to your wisdom Mm. and I thought that was so powerful like you know don't even worry about fixing them you just show them love you earn and then you earn a voice in their life yeah. If you've earned that voice in their life, then they're a lot more likely to tune in and listen to you. And it's just like anybody else. You know, I mean, I think, you know, if you, if you've ever had somebody like somebody was treating me like their project, you know, like they're right. They thought, they're, they thought they were helping me, but really I felt like I was their project. They just wanted to feel good about themselves. Like I'm not going to really tune into everything they say. I'll kind of put up a guard with them. But if somebody truly loves me and has my best interest in mind and sees the good in me and sees that potential in me, mm-hmm. then I want, you know, I want to do well. I want to be that person they believe I can be. And Absolutely. Um, you know, a, a visual, I thought about that and I share this in the book is um, my husband and I had an anniversary trip, 20th anniversary a few years ago to Italy. Oh. And um, we saw all these, you know, works by Michelangelo and the David of David and Goliath. But it was so cool because our, our tour guide was telling us that, um, when Michelangelo, when he looked at a slab of marble, 
he could see a figure hidden inside that wanted to be set free. And so he felt like his job was just to chip away the stone to get to that figure inside. Mm. And there were several um, statues in this gallery where he'd half finished statues. They were not, but it was like a half of a figure coming out of the stone. And I just, I just, it just hit me. I was like, that's really how God is. Like, we don't see each other, the truth about each other. Like God can look at a blank slab of marble. He sees the potential in all of us. He sees who we can be in 10 years or 20 years and something that nobody else can see. And I think that's one reason we have to find our identity in Christ and, you know, really seeing our, trying to see ourselves and other people through God's eyes because we don't see each other accurately. And so I think, you know, if we could really approach our teenagers as they've got all this potential inside them that they don't even realize and really helping them believe that about themselves, then we can be a mentor and a guide and a coach and have a, you know, lifelong relationship with them even after the parenting part ends. Yes, which is the goal. That is the goal, you know, and you said something about earning a voice in their life. And that's something I actually talk a lot about uh, earning emotional currency with people in your relationships and if I'm being totally transparent I have never really thought about that in relation to my children um, Mm -hmm. earning emotional currency with them and I one of the things that I learned very early on in my motherhood is is the power of apologizing even to young kids so I mean I apologize to my three and five year old more often than I wish I had to but (laughs) I I think that's awesome I didn't do that a lot when mine were little and I wish I had so I think that is wonderful to start at least I got like one thing I got something going (laughs) for me but yeah but that that idea of earning and loving them well so that they do want to listen to me when their hormones are raging and they want to make questionable decisions with boys that mm-hmm. because they've they we've established a relationship where open dialogue is safe and welcome and non-judgmental and safe and that you earn that you right. don't just you don't snap your fingers and it happens you don't force it you don't you know behavior curb it you create and earn that especially i think with girls and so i think that that's a word of real wisdom even and especially for moms of littles, is that th- that that currency starts building now when your kids are small. Yes, yes. And, you know, I think as moms, too, I have a whole chapter on um, choosing your words and your timing wisely. Mm-hmm. And I think if there's one thing that really creates that gulf, and I'm as guilty of this as anybody, and the reason it is chapter one is because it's probably the the biggest mistake we make as moms is that sometimes we just say whatever comes to our mind. We blurt it out. We don't think about the timing and we're hurtful and, you know, they don't forget these things. I mean, I think everybody can remember hurtful statements that their mom might've made at one point or another. Mm -hmm. And um, just really being mindful of how we're saying things. And, and there's a way to say everything that speak the truth in love. And I I think of my dad recently that, you know, I, I was, when I started my podcast, he listened to the first few episodes and I was so nervous even though he's been so supportive of everything I do, but just, you know, you want to please your parents, even at my age. And, um, and he called me and he was just going on and on. You did great. And just building me up. And he told me all the positives. And I was like, you know, I believed him because he does not lie to me. And then he's like, you know, there's what, there's one thing, there's just a few things I think you could do to make it better. But you know, besides that, it's great. And by that point he had me in his hands. I was like, tell me. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm not one that usually loves getting constructive criticism. But he had built me up and he had, you know, 
he, he was speaking it. with such conviction. He earned it. And I trusted him. And I was like, I knew he wasn't going to lie to me. And he told me what I'd done right. And now I'm like, well, tell me what else can I do? Yeah. And I got off the phone. I'm like, man, he is good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I don't, I, don't t- I don't take criticism that well from everybody, but the way that he did it, yeah. it was really effective. And so it was a lesson to me when somebody does that in my life, like, how can I go do that for other people so that it goes yes. down a little bit easier? And, you know, sometimes I've had people give me constructive criticism and I didn't even realize it until later. I'm like, wow, yeah, are really clever. That is an they, art. Yes. yes. <laughs> Being able to yes. deliver a constructive criticism and people not know it, that's an art form yes. for sure. And and doing that for your kids. I mean, there, there's a time and a place for telling your kids, you know, for constructive criticism and for telling them that there was there was a different way to do this or there is a different way to do this. But like mm-hmm. we've said, if you're like kind of you're like heaping love on and they know that you approve of them and that they are good and that you love them, well then when you're like, hey, you can't do this or you were late for this, it it does it's not one more blow. Right. It's softened by, you know, even in their hormonal brains, hopefully a little bit, they know, oh well, like she's she, she loves me and she wants me she wants the best for me and so I probably you know maybe I messed that up or whatever you know that's the dream hopefully yeah Yeah. and I think we can look at our lives too you know my husband he's he's one of those voices in my life that he um and sometimes he's told me things he's trying he's giving me feedback as gently as possible but I still get mad at him you know absolutely I might not blow up but I'm like I'm thinking I don't I don't agree but because I, I because I trust him and I respect his opinion, a lot of times he'll tell me something that kind of like stirs me or rubs me the wrong way. But then a few hours later, I'm like, darn it, he's right. <laughs> he was right. <laughs> he was right. And I think our kids are like that, you know, that they might not show it. They might roll their eyes. But just you just kind of say it if we can say it in a good way and just let them sit with it. It might hit them later on and maybe sink in um, when we're not watching. So completely agree. Well, obviously we could as to girl moms go on and on, but I really want people to be able to connect with you and also get their hands on Love Her Well. So I'd love it if you would tell people where they can find and follow you, Carrie, and then also where they can get your book. Okay. I am on Instagram and Facebook. Instagram is just Carrie Campakis, and then Facebook it's Carrie Campakis Writer. So they can follow me there. I have a blog and also a podcast. And what I've started doing is the Girl Mom Podcast. And what oh, I've started doing that. is when I do a blog post, I've got a lot of posts coming up about raising girls in conjunction with this book and, you know, dating truths and to the girl with a broken heart, you know, a lot of advice on friendship and coaching your daughter through friend drama. Um, but I, I have a lot of blogs coming up, blog posts that will be on my website, www.carriecampakis.com. And then I'll also do an audible version on my podcast so people can listen to it if they want to do that instead. Awesome. Um, yeah. And then the book can be found everywhere online right now that books are sold. Yeah. <laughs> pre- oh, well, this, I'm not sure when this airs, but it'll be, it comes out August 18th. Yes. It can be pre-ordered before then, and then it'll be available after that. Awesome. Carrie, thank you so much for taking the time to share your heart and your story and your wisdom. I feel like it really equipped me to kind of make some moves and some pivots in, in my motherhood. And so I can't wait to read the rest of Love Her Well, and I can't wait for other people to get their hands on it as well. Well, Blake, thank you so much for having me on. You are just uh, a great conversationalist, and you made it really easy for me. So thank you for letting me share the message with your audience. 
Oh my gosh, thank you. All right, that's it for this week. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Crappy Christian Podcast. And hey, by the way, if you super loved it, can you go leave a five-star review wherever you're listening? That'd be awesome. All right, see you next week.